Welcome to Conversations, a podcast featuring conversations about life, theology, scripture, church, and everything in between. Hosted by Genesis Church in Mexico, Missouri. Find out more at www.genesisbegins.com. All right, this is another podcast of Conversations with Genesis Church, and I'm Jeff Stott. I'm uh, the lead pastor at Genesis Church, and I'm with Billy Johnson. And we are wrapping up the um, cognitive dissonance discussion. And um, w- this is one of those subjects that we can just keep going on and on and on. But we, after today, we feel like you'll have a good grasp of it, you know, of it if you've listened to it all. And um, and so, uh, but. The next uh, series uh, we're thinking about doing is on making disciples, and we're just going to go through some stuff about what does it look like to intentionally make disciples, and which I think will be very helpful for those who want to grow in that area. And before we get started, I do want to mention truthappliedjs.com, and if you haven't been there, go there, and uh, it's... I have some articles there about various things, but it's really turned into more of like a commentary site where, um, like I'm going through the gospel of Mark right now, verse by verse, and we're at Mark 14. And so, uh, and it's really like a commentary, a practical application commentary sermon type thing, you know, verse by verse. But anyway, if that's something you're interested in, check that out. So, uh, with all that said, Hey, Billy, welcome to the discussion again. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, one of the things, Jeff, that uh, that I've noticed about this is, man, there there seems to be a buzz uh, out there, you know, amongst the, the the folks that I that I chat with that have have listened to this. There seems to be a buzz of um, interest in this topic, and I'm glad to hear that because I'll be honest, when we started this, I kind of felt like this cognitive dissonance concept. I feel like that most Christians deal with this, you know, on a regular basis. So I'm glad there's some people out there getting something out of this. I've had some people come up and ask, um, you know, when we're going to continue with this. So I'm just really excited that uh, that God is using this platform and, and using this information to help some folks out there. Yeah, um, you know, and, you know, more and more people are, you know, starting to listen to it. So that's exciting. And, uh, you know, we want it to be helpful. And, you know, for me, it's also about... Uh, being able to talk about stuff I don't get to on Sunday morning. Yeah. Because the way we unpack some of this stuff, you just can't do it in a sermon format. Yeah, I agree. I, it feels like what's nice too is, is it feels like that, uh, you know, as we kind of go through this, this is like a, a little Bible study specific, yeah. Yeah. you know, on the side too. You know, I mean, obviously, uh, anytime we get into God's word, it's a good thing, but man, diving deep into something, some of these concepts is, is, uh, has been real good for me. Well, all right. Well, that said, let me do a little review here, and then we're going to get into some new stuff. Um, Like I said, we're in a series of discussions on cognitive dissonance, and this is part four. So in part one, we introduced the concept of cognitive dissonance, and cognitive dissonance is the gap between what you believe and how you behave or what you experience. And uh, there are three parts to cognitive dissonance. There's the belief there's the contradiction to that belief, and then there's some type of emotional discomfort with that. Uh, so, and we've been talking about four expressions of this, and uh, one expression is belief versus contradictory behavior 
equals emotional discomfort. So that would be something like you believe you should tell the truth that you should not lie, but then you lie to your spouse, you lie to your kids, you lie to your boss and, uh, and, and you feel guilty about it. Well, that belief versus that contradictory behavior you did that creates that cognitive dissonance, that emotional discomfort. So you see this with Christians when it comes to like, um, sexual purity, you know, sex outside of marriage. And so I, I need to save myself for when I get married, you know, but then they have sex outside of marriage or they have an affair or something of that nature. Uh, you see it also connected to pornography. Uh, you see this when, a, when someone steals or you can see this with Christians on, on other things like, well, they believe the Bible, they believe it's God's word and they believe you, they should read it, but they don't read it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. Or they believe church is important. They ought to go to church, but they don't go to church. You know, stuff like that. And the same thing with giving. I mean, I don't know this thing to go. Though all of that, we discussed all of that and the reactions to that in part two. If that is something you want to listen to. Um, also, uh, another aspect of this is belief plus contradictory new information equals emotional discomfort. And so this is where, as a Christian, you believe something. And, um, and you believe it's true, but then you're studying the Bible and you come across some stuff in the Bible that seem to contradict what you believe. So, you know, this could fall into categories like free will versus predestination, uh, uh, could fall into like evolution versus creation. And, uh, cause you know, you, you could, as a Christian, there are some Christians who believe in some form of evolution. And, uh, but then they're studying the word and then it doesn't line up. So there's a sure. gap between what they believe and what they, what they're seeing in the Bible. You also see this, uh, with stuff like salvation by grace versus salvation by works. So anyway, that's all part three. Uh, then another aspect is belief plus contradictory belief equals emotional discomfort. Uh, this is where you seem to have two beliefs that challenge one another. For example, you know, some people believe in eternal security, but they also somehow believe that you can lose your salvation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's some tension there. Sure. So how does that work? Which one's, which one's real? How does it work? So another one that pops up is for Christians is the religious freedom versus religious censorship, censorship, meaning as a, well, I hear Christians do this all the time where they'll say, well, I believe I should be able to pray in school and I should be able to bring my Bible to school and there should be Bible studies at school or work or whatever. But then a Muslim wants to do the same thing. Sure. Sure. It's funny how those two things all, all of a sudden, of a sudden become a problem. The religious freedom, what you mean is religious freedom for your views, but censorship for everybody else. Sure. So uh, then, then, all right. So you believe one thing, but now, but you, it doesn't match. You got two beliefs. Really, you got religious freedom, but also religious censorship going on. So, okay, how does that? How do you you know reconcile all that? Um, I think another category of this particular type would be why does God? Why does a good God allow evil things? So how can good and evil exist when a good God created everything? Sure. So you got two beliefs here, good and evil. Well, how do I reconcile that with one God and all that kind of stuff? So, um, however, we're not going to be talking about that one in this series at all. We're just skipping that one, but, uh, but you get the idea. So, but the one we are going to talk about and end with, uh, today is, uh, the one that is, you have a belief, but you have a contradictory experience and it, 
and equals emotional discomfort. And again, that's what we're looking at today. Um, and we're going to give several examples and then we're going to talk about our reactions to that uh, and how we respond to that. Well, and I, I wanted to jump in there <clears throat> before we get started. So we have this belief plus contradictory experience. And oftentimes we focus ourselves on the contradictory experience and we don't spend, I think, nearly enough time kind of sorting out why it is we believe what we believe. You know, so there are times where that contradictory experience may cause that emotional discomfort, but it might have more to do with our beliefs, our beliefs being kind of misaligned or or we haven't quite parsed those out yet. You know, so as we kind of go through this, I you know, I would challenge anyone that's listening, um, you know, when they run into something like this, hey, let's evaluate first how you feel when your beliefs are met with a contradictory experience, but to go deeper is, okay, well, let's evaluate your belief, you know, because that, that may be a big part of the problem here. And I'm not talking about foundational beliefs. I'm just talking about, uh, you know, some of the things that we run into, you know, it's always good, uh, to, to face these things head on and, and to, you know, kind of soak in them and, and allow them to grow you. But it might be a case where you need to evaluate, what it is that you believe and make sure that that's aligned correctly. And that might alleviate some of this emotional discomfort that we feel. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, I'm just going to assume that we start with the assumption that our belief is correct. Right. Okay. That may be the biggest problem. Here. Yeah. Right. And then when you start at one of the responses that we'll talk about later is looking at, okay, I believe this, but I'm experiencing this and those two don't line up. Right. Okay, so am I is my evaluation of the experience experience wrong or is my belief wrong? Sure. Or both. Yeah, and that's that's a that's a really tough realm to to land in. Right. You know, that can be that can be very disorienting and, and very difficult to kind of deal with. Oh, absolutely. So all right, so let's all right. All right, if you're you're listening to this, you're thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, so it's okay, I don't either. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> let, let's give a couple examples. Uh, okay, for example, and this is usually the classic example. Okay, let's say you're a Christian and you believe in God's healing power. Sure. And most Christians do to some degree. Okay, so they, you know, and let's take a scenario where you have a, a Christian uh, couple and they have a sick child. Um, the doctor says it's terminal. You know, this is child's got cancer, got something going on, brain tumor or something. And, um, and they are praying, uh, the Christian couples praying, they're praying for healing. They're going through the scriptures on healing. The ch- their church is praying. They get on Facebook, they spread the word and there's other churches praying. I mean, everybody's praying that knows about this family and you know, about this say seven year old kid. And uh, they're praying. The doctors are doing their thing. They're doing the medication. They're doing the treatments. Uh, you know, they uh, even they take the son before the elders. The elders anoint him with oil, pray over him, all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Everything. I mean, they're doing it right. Um, and but six months later, the boy dies. Okay, now we're ha- we got a cognitive distance on our hand. No doubt. We had we. I mean, in multiple levels. I mean, we okay, God's healing power. Uh, you know, Bible talks about God heals. Uh, Bible talks about prayer. Um, you know, um, 
I'm going to assume that in there, some people fasted for the healing and still didn't happen. Um, now I'm not saying God doesn't heal, but what I'm saying is, is that, uh, I've been around the block long enough now to know and see and share story after story of where Christian couples, Christian families have prayed and prayed and prayed either for some kind of healing for somebody and it didn't happen. So, uh, what do we do with that? You know, so we just, you know, and that's what we're going to talk about. That's cock. That's, yeah. I believe one thing, but my experience doesn't line up. Okay. Sure. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, that, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's a bunch of examples of these, but, uh, you know, my hope is, is that I, this is, this is a huge question, but how in the world does a person get past that sort of thing? Oh, well, we're going to talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, you know, we can't solve it all in sure. one hour. Sure. But we're definitely going to Man. bring up the conversation and let people say, well, let's have a real conversation about this. Yeah, it's a huge topic and because, very, very difficult. Well, yeah. And the thing is, this, what results is, remember, the, the three elements of cognitive dissonance is you believe something. And in this case, you have a contradictory contradictory experience and it creates some kind of emotional discomfort. Well, mm-hmm. the emotional discomfort is going to be something like maybe doubt or confusion. Anger, maybe depression, you know, anger at God, um, anger at people not praying enough or whatever, you know, and anger at yourself for maybe the, you weren't sure, you know, you believe God healing power, but you don't, maybe you didn't have enough faith, all this stuff that goes mm-hmm. around, you know, sort of cognitive dissonance. Uh, another example uh, I definitely want to mention before we, that I, I find that this pops up is, the Bible talks about God's protection, okay, and uh, that He will protect His people. Sure, okay. Hedge of protection. Hedge of protection. But then you have Christians, children. Let's just get ugly here for a minute. Yeah, you have Christian children who trust God, who believe God, who have an innocent faith. And they are physically abused, sexually abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused, uh, abandoned, whatever you want to throw out there. And they're asking God to protect them. But every day, every night, once a week, once a month, they have to go through something horrible by the at the hands of the same individual. Yeah. And this sometimes will go on for years, you know. So... Oh, now we've got cognitive distance. We've got, we've got some problems here. Yeah, we've got some real deep-seated issues yeah, to work so through we, here. We believe in God's protection, but yet it doesn't seem like it's happening. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so uh, and now we're going to deal with confusion, doubt, and anger, and frustration. And how do we reconcile that as Christians? Um, well, we hearken back to that whole idea of... Uh, how can a good God allow this to happen? Yeah. You know, those types of questions. And not only that, those types of questions are so difficult to answer, right. and, and you may never get the exact answer that you're looking for. And man, that, that can create a lot of that emotional discomfort for a lot of years. Yeah, it can. <clears throat> um, you know, and for some reason, it you know, it feels weird and uncomfortable talking about it because, yeah, because it, because here's what, here's what I'm feeling at this moment as even I'm talking and I know where we're headed with the conversation, but even as I'm talking about it, I, I'm, I'm, 
concerned that I'm going to come across as someone who doesn't believe that God cares. Right. Because so far what I've said is, okay, I believe, you know, okay, believe in God's healing power. Okay. But God doesn't heal. Sure. Believe in God's protection, but he doesn't protect. So what good is God? Sure. In my day, you see, at this point. And I, I imagine there are so many folks that, you know, run into these situations. They're asking those exact same questions. And that's oh, why yeah. this topic is just absolutely important. Yeah. Because I'm thinking about, in this context with the protection versus not protection dilemma, um, I'm thinking about the I'm talking about the spouse who's abused yeah. or abandoned with children. It's just the one spouse who gets up and leaves. And now what? You know, I'm thinking, you know, how does God protect me from, you know, like the the senior adult lady asking for protection from, like she lives in a bad neighborhood, but sure. her house is vandalized quite a bit or stuff is stolen, you know, and, uh, or she's taken advantage of in the sense of finances, you know. Um, and so, again, cognitive dissonance. What do I do with, I believe this, but this is happening. My experience doesn't line up. And I just want to say for the listeners, um, so look, I am I am all in with God, but make no mistake, there are times and things that I see, uh, you know, where where some of that cognitive dissonance sets settles in with me too. You know, I mean, so like I said, I'm I am all in, but uh, you know, in my profession, that some of the things I see, you know, it, it it makes you wonder sometimes, you know, and and it's it's difficult to deal with, and I'm not even directly involved. You know, I'm just I'm just on the the perimeter of it. You know, and and uh, you know, it makes you question. I won't. It makes you ask the question. Yeah. Hey, God, man, what what's going on here? Help me understand this. You know, so I know that when I'm in the middle of that, personally, yeah. I, sometimes I'll think, God, where are you at? Yeah, yeah. You know? I know you're here. I know but, you're... <laughs> Where, where's all, yeah. where's all this that I've read about? Right. You know, and, and oftentimes that's, you know, the, the nonsense and the cloudiness of this world, you know, causes us not to be able to see right. far enough ahead and see how God's working. But yeah, man, it's, yeah. it's tough. And, you know, he, he, it is discussed in the Bible, you know, they, he, he walks through the valley with us. You know, he doesn't always lift us up out of the valley. Now, God's got that power, man. He could take us and pull us out of there. But, man, there's a lot of lessons to learn there. And, you know, sometimes, you know, that emotional discomfort, I don't want to walk through the valley. I'm asking God, hey, just pull me out of there. You know, and sometimes that's the plan and sometimes it's not. And it's it's difficult to deal with that sometimes. Have you ever been in the, by the way, the, the, like the, the valley, the shadow of death kind of thing, uh, like the Bible talks about? Have you ever been in a valley? Between mountains? Physically? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not a big fan of mountains. Okay. I want to tell you. Hey, or, or the valleys that are associated okay, yeah. with them. Hey, okay. I used to, okay, years ago, I used to live at the foot of the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. Okay. And um, I mean, again, it's not like the Rockies. Okay. Don't sure. understand what I'm saying. But, and I have been to the Rockies. All right. And I want to tell you that. There are times when you're in the shadow of the, uh, like in the valley, of the shadow, mm-hmm. it's almost like it's just dark. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're in the woods. I, I mean, I bet it feels real lonely. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, and God said, and my, my, my point is this is that when you're in the, when you're in this, that season of life, like what we're talking about where things don't make sense, you got, 
what you think is true about God or about what you something you believe something, but you're experiencing it. You have to remember that sometimes you are in that valley, and it's not going to make sense. You're not going to feel. It's not going to feel safe. Sure. You know what I'm saying. And um, but that's life. And, and even Jesus said, "In this world, you're going to have trouble." So I mean, all right. So how do we balance all this? You know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so we we live in a very sinful world. You know, and he said there's going to be murder and there's going to be, you know, all, you know, greed and there's going to be all kinds of sins of all kinds. People are going to abuse people and, and Christians are going to experience this. And so, but you have, but Christians like to focus on the feel good passages. Sure. Sure. God heals, but not focus on the passages where, oh, well, he didn't. Except for one passage where they said, well, he didn't heal because of lack of faith. Right. Okay. Well, I know a lot of people who have faith, and they they've had people who they prayed for and they didn't get healed. Sure. Either, so I don't know. Now, I also by the end of this, yeah. remind me at the end of this, I want to share a story, okay. and it's a feel good story because okay. right now we've started it out yeah, with it's kind pretty of dark. It's yeah, I mean sad. it's 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 difficult, but I've got a feel good story by the end of this. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> All right, so uh, just a couple of a few more a few more examples here. I'm just trying to, and I'm sharing these examples, and Billy's going to share some of them, you know, as he thinks of them as well. But because uh, I want I, I want to help you to think the different scenarios of this cognitive dissonance with you believe something and experience something because I do find that sometimes people will hear these examples and they get locked in on the example. Sure. Oh, I've never experienced that. I've never experienced that. So that's why I'm sharing several examples to help. Okay, now wait a minute. That's me now. I'll time. bet if you if you give a handful of examples, every single person listening has felt one of those. Right. Yeah. Well, here, so that's why it's good to give examples. Okay. So here's one for those highly dedicated Christians, the ones at least they think they are. Sure. You know, it's these parents who, man, they from day one that baby was born. You know, they had a baby dedication. They prayed for that child all its life. You know what I'm saying? Prayed for the future spouse, you know, and, you know, stuff like, Lord, I just pray that that he'll grow up to be a godly man and that he'll just love you and be a leader in your church. And, you know, and you just give him a godly spouse and they'll have a great family and on and on it goes, you know, protect yeah. him from the evil one. And, and Lord, just, you know, give him a desire for your word that he loves you, loves people, you know, on and on it goes. They mm -hmm. you pray that for years, you know, and you take him to church, you send him on vacation, Bible school, you have family devotions, you try to do it right, you try to be a good example. Well, then they start drinking and then they start partying and then they do drugs and then you think, oh my word, let's just keep them out of jail. Yeah. You know, that comes, and now that's the new standard. Sure. You know, and, Man, and that, have was, no, that was quite a leap. Yeah, have no, have no, make sure they don't have any children before yes. they graduate from high school and yeah. keep them out of jail. And so, and by the way, I am talking from experience. <laughs> Okay. No, I, yeah. I, I could I could feel the passion, Jeff. Yeah, I and could so feel the you passion. know, uh, and then uh, you know, and, and 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 you just get to the point where you just think, you know, okay, God, where are you at on this? And so you know, and you're looking at you, you're, you believe that the Bible says, teach the way a child's goat. He will, you know, and you know, he'll mm -hmm. uh, he will not depart from it. Yeah, I went blank there for a minute, and so. Uh, you know, and, and I obviously, yeah, I know the listeners think, well, you just got to wait somewhere down the road when they're 40 or 50 years old, six years old. You know, they'll they'll come around. Well, maybe they will. Well, yeah. Maybe they won't. It, I, I know people who did, didn't. And they even didn't. if they do, it's still cognitive dissonance until <laughs> yeah. you get there. Yeah, it's cognitive <laughs> dissonance until we get And I might be dead <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> before right. they get there. Right. So what do I do with that, you know? And um, 
uh, you know, and then they, you know, end up, you know, you pray for their future spouse and they, then they marry somebody that's crazy. And so, you know, <laughs> no, no. And then no. they end up divorced. And the next thing you know, as yeah, you know, all goes, you know. <laughs> right, right. just for yeah. an example, for an example, understood. But, uh, uh, so that's cognitive distance that, so I think Christian parents would experience, you know, yeah. um, another one would be this thing about Christians should, you know, uh, should be joyful. Yeah, and uh, happy all the time. Happy all the time, and uh, uh, I don't. We don't have time to get into this, but there's a verse in Psalm where it talks about uh, the psalmist is saying, "I hope that you will be both joyful and happy." Right. He separates the two. Sure. Okay. Sure. So, um, and Christians struggle with anxiety, and so, and there's a cognitive distance because you, you read Philippians four, it says, "Okay, man, just you know, you pray about it. You don't worry about anything. Go to God, lay all your petitions before Him. You know, get say thanks and all this kind of do all the stuff that it says there, and um, uh, then you know, and, and I think somehow we think that Philippians four passage is about it's kind of like taking a pill and all your Anxiety goes away. Well, sure. it's a little more complicated than that. Well, and I, uh, you know, you, you said a moment ago you can speak from personal experience. So I could tell you, I, I grew up being kind of an anxious person, and I, and I have wondered many, many, many times. Now, look, one of the, one of the best parts about it is, is as I grow and mature in my faith, I can go to God with some of that, and I can feel the physical relief right. that He does provide sometimes. Absolutely. But, but for me, you know, it. it it keeps coming on and I'm just going, God, what in the world is going on here? You know, like, why am I continuing to experience this? You know, I read all the passages about anxiety and I try to implement all of the, the instruction and, and talk to other Christians and, and this and doing all the things that, that it seems like I should be doing and I still experience it. So there have been times where that cognitive dissonance has shown itself as frustration or just apathy, mm-hmm. you know, almost a nihilistic view right. of, of things around me. And, you know, so yeah, it, it becomes difficult. So I will say this for all you anxious listeners out there. Uh, I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. I will say going to God does help. Uh, does. I will say going and, and speaking to people and finding good Christians or whatever, man, all that helps. But yeah, that can create some frustration. Yeah. And, you know, and I think it being dealing with being joyful. Okay. If we didn't struggle with being joyful as Christians, God would not tell us to be to rejoice because we would just do it naturally. Sure. Sure. So, I'd never thought about it like that. Right. Yeah. So, but just the very fact that he has to repeat sure. over and over, <laughs> be joyful, rejoice, you know, yeah. th- there's a reason, okay, he knows we're going to struggle with it. So, so that, I, I just had like one of those bombs go off in my head. Uh-huh. You know, it is, it is the fact that, yeah, when God has to remind us of something, like if you look in the Bible, there are so many different things that we are reminded of over and over again. <laughs> and it's not only is it because it's important, but God also knows we struggle with that. Yeah. He yeah, knows that's, we're going to be up and down with man, it. They're, they're, Jeff, I don't know if anybody's ever told you, but there's a lot of grace in the Bible. There God, is. God yeah. provides us a lot of grace and a lot of instruction. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you yeah. knew that, Yeah, but uh, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, you know, he expects us to, I mean, he expects 
And this is not a lack of faith on God's part. Right. Okay. He expects us to struggle with depression, anxiety. And that's why yeah. there's so much, because he understands, he understands the, how sin has affected us mentally, yes. emotionally and everything, you know, yes. our culture and everything. And but, but I guess my point here is that part of the cognitive dissonance here, there are some Christians who feel guilty because they're, they struggle with depression or anxiety and they, what well, the Bible says, I believe that, you know, I should be happy and joyful. And to the point where that they have a hard time even confessing or admitting to the fact. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. To say I am struggling with depression or discouragement, or I feel anxious, you know, for them, for some Christians, they're going to, they feel like that's a defeat or a, oh, a statement yeah. of a lack of faith. Yes. You know, yes. And so that they're going to struggle with that. They're so, ashamed that is associated with that. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And I think we're coming around on it. Oh, no doubt. We are, we are much further along yeah. than we were even 10 years ago. Yeah, you're right. Much and, further uh, along. I, I, and I think that's a good thing. Oh, uh, no doubt. And I think pastors are addressing it from the pulpit better. Um, they're not, they're not preaching a fantasy world. Yes. You know, yes. anymore, or they're doing less of it, and which I I do appreciate that. Well, yeah, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Right. You know, let's let's deal with the things that we're dealing with. Right. Yeah. Uh, one more example, and then we're going to get into how we respond to all this stuff, which we've already kind of started doing it already. But one other example is uh, which I've mentioned sorta, but it's just prayer versus no answer. Hmm. Okay, I'm asking God to do this, and He doesn't do it. But I'm asking in faith, so the Bible says you ask anything in faith, then he's going to do it. Sure. You, you see what's happening here? Yeah. All right. So I'm, you know, I'm praying for that promotion. Don't get it. Right. Praying for a child. Don't have one. You know. Well, wh- and, whatever you're asking for. Well, and, and we and we talk about no answer. No, sometimes the answer is very clear, uh-huh. and we just don't like it. Yeah, that's right. We just don't yeah. like it. Well, you know, I, I would say most of the time yeah. when we're upset with God, it's because it's not that it's not that we didn't get the answer. Right. It's because we didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Because God really answers our prayer in with really one of three ways. I and mean, this is pretty simple. He either says no, yes, or wait. That's it. Sure, and only one of those is the one we like to hear. That's right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. I want to hear yes all the time. Yeah. I don't want to hear no, and I don't want to hear wait. Well, and wait, so when we, that emotional discomfort, uh, we don't like to lay in that. You know, we've talked about that a little bit, you know, the the necessity in laying in it. But, uh, yeah, that emotional discomfort, when we're in the midst of that, wait is, wait, at least no is definitive, you know, but wait, it's not time yet. Man, we don't like that at all. Not at all. At least I don't. I mean, I don't know about the listeners, but I sure don't like to hear wait or no. I know it's necessary, but man, I don't like it. And then and then you've got to develop, okay, well, how am I going to get out of this mindset? Do I, do I have enough faith and do I trust God enough to know that, hey, I need to head this direction? Okay, now how am I going to work on getting out of that mindset? And I think, you know, the ways that we deal with cognitive dissonance are important. You know, because there are going to be times when we get no or wait, and, and we're going to feel that emotional discomfort. And then people are going to go, okay, well, how do I move on? Right. You know, so. All right. So I think as a listener, you you got some examples now. So you know what we're talking about. We're in, And you probably have your own personal example. And that you could add to it. So, all right. So how do we respond to this stuff? And and we're going to go through the bad ways first. Sure. Okay, which we've mentioned. Uh, okay. So one of the ways that Christians 
might respond to this uh, is we just discard it. Okay. Uh, we ignore the contradictory, contradictory experience or we ignore our belief. We pretend there's no belief gap. Like it never happened. Um, that's really helpful, by the way. Yeah, that's right. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is where you don't talk about God. Okay, let's go back to the healing example. This is where you don't talk about God's healing regarding your son. Uh, you don't. Uh, you don't. You know. You don't talk about God not protecting you against your abusive father. You. You know. You don't bring it up, or you just. You just pretend like it never happened. And so, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, we, we got to have a little, we're having a little technical difficulty over here. I've got Jeff distracted. I, I, yeah. And I hope that that doesn't fall off over there. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, Go so, ahead, Jeff. Yeah, anyway. Try to be quiet while yeah, you. you do that. You fix that while. <laughs> so anyway, this discarding, so we just kind of discard it. And so here's the deal. I know some Christians who have gone through this like healing thing. Uh, and you know, they pray for healing, fasted for healing, you know, did whatever. And went through all the, they, they, you know, named it and claimed it. They can, you know, confess it in order to possess it. I mean, everything. They did all the faith talk. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. And, uh, that uh, feels really good. Yeah. It feels good. Yes. And, uh, and I got a theory about that. You have a theory. Mm-hmm. Now I think faith talk's good. I think we need to, no doubt, you know, agree with the scripture, speak scripture, words come out of our mouth and need to line up with scripture. And, uh, but I think sometimes when we are going through a bad experience and our beliefs don't line up and we're doing the faith talk, you know, God's going to heal them. Amen, brother. You know, I just, I'm trusting God's going to heal this person. I, I have no doubt. I believe he's going to do it. You know, the scripture says this, and they'll quote some scripture, and on and on it goes. And they're just going to believe They're going to believe it, you know. And um, I think in some cases, in some cases, all that that I've just said is their anxiety trying to control the situation through their faith. Okay. So, yeah. so when you're anxious about something, you want to control the situation. Sure. Okay. So, uh, or you want to control the person. And I think when sometimes people are operating by fear, it's that, that, that faith talk isn't really generated by faith. Right. It's actually generated by fear oh yeah you see yeah, what i'm saying here? absolutely so but and it sounds like faith well sure but the foundation is fear sure okay well and, and that's the you know you you mentioned a moment ago that you think faith talk is important yeah well yeah if it's faith talk if it's yeah well yeah if that's what it is yeah. yes that is important right. and there are times where over the 25 30 years i've been doing this and i, I don't have enough guts to do this because i'm just too compassionate sometimes <laughs> and i just want to do this and that is Take down names of everybody who says, I believe God is going to heal this individual. Yeah. You know, or um, something, some kind of faith, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when it doesn't happen, I want to go back to them and say, explain it. Yeah. Why? Why did you believe? Did God show up to you and tell you this is this? This is this sickness is for for my glory. I'm going to heal this individual, like he did in the Bible. I mean, Jesus sure. did say, you know, why is this person blind? Well, it's not because of sin; it's because of my glory. I'm going to heal him. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, okay, good. Um, 
You know, because I think sometimes we just kind of throw willy-nilly out the God card. Oh, no doubt. You know, because it sounds so spiritual. Oh, we speak. We speak about God right. as though we know what his movements and, and what his, his will is. Yeah. And, and you know, one all of, the time in detail about every situation. Well, that's where most of this cognitive dissonance come yeah. from is our assumption about his will. Right. right. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. We speak all of the time mm-hmm. about what we think his will is going to be right. or what his next move is going to be and then get frustrated or surprised when it's not that. No. Yeah. And this is, this goes back to, I think a lack of understanding of what the Bible actually says. I agree with that statement because you know, um, you have to study the, you know, God wants us to study the word. He wants us to think and reason and meditate, and meditate, ask all the tough questions. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because the truth, the truth, will set you free. Not our own made made up truth. What we yes. wanted to say. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. And that comes with all these categories that we're struggling with, you know. And then what is free? Right. And what and what does free mean? Yeah. What does free mean? What is because we because actually- we have defined what free means instead of allowing the <laughs> Bible to be our compass on our belief systems. No, we've read something and then we come up with our own belief systems. Yes. You know, we talk about this cognitive dissonance. A lot of this stuff is just I, okay, hold on. Let me let me make the let me make an assumption here, or and a, at least for me, a lot of this cognitive dissonance comes from assumptions and made up things that don't actually exist. And then I, you know, we talk about belief systems and contradictory information and or contradictory experience. You know, a lot of this has got a lot less to do with God and a lot more to do with my misunderstanding of God. Right, and that's where the emotional discomfort comes from because the my father. I'm not in tune with my father. That's where this emotional discomfort comes from. And it's my own mess ups. It's my own mess, generally. You know, it's it's my own lack of understanding. It's my own lack of study. You know, and man, I, I feel like I'm like I'm being critical, but I'm really talking to me. I'm well, not even talking to the listeners. I'm talking to me. Well, see, this is I I feel you know, it's kind of weird that you say that because on this particular category, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh I feel I feel angry at at how we have been deceived. Because the devil comes in, he says, Okay, I want you to believe yes. this because it's not gonna make your experience is not gonna line up with it. And my if I'm the devil, I want you to have a strong belief in something. Yes. That's a that's in the Bible, if you will, okay, that appears to be. Let's just get you to misinterpret it. Yep. And then when God doesn't perform the way you think it ought, he ought to perform, then now there's a potential where you will will just walk away from God, walk away what? from the church, walk away from the whole body. The, because I've seen it happen where, where some family had a tragedy happen in their sure. life and God didn't bail them out. And they said, you know what? I don't need God if he's not, he, not going to help me through this. I'm just not, I don't need him. And they drop out. You know, I wonder if Satan's best weapon is misinterpretation uh, of the Bible. Well, you know, I would say so because that was the very first thing he did with Adam and Eve. Yes, absolutely. He twisted what God had to say. Just, Just a, little. a little. Yes. You know, so he's going to do that for us even today and to create this cognitive dissonance, hoping the confusion and the doubt and the frustration uh, will lead us away from God rather yeah. than draw, draw us to him. Well, because this disconnect, God didn't create this disconnect in the garden. No. 
this disconnect is Satan and our own sinful nature and our own assumptions and all these other things, and it just gets worse over time. It does, yeah. You this know? belief yes. gap created when all the sin entered in. With, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, is that, okay, so I haven't really got into it, but one of the things that cognitive dissonance should do, especially in this particular expression of it, belief versus contradictory experience, is it should draw, cause us to go to the Word and go to God should draw us say, okay, why? What am I missing? What truth? Yeah. Do I? What truth am I missing, and how do I pursue it yeah, properly? Yeah. Okay. How do I? You know. Okay. I need to look at what I believe, and I need to look at the experience. Okay. Why? What's? Why is there a gap here? Yes. What's you know? And what what does it take to reconcile this? But we're not programmed to think in those terms. No, we're not. Okay, what is the problem here? No, 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 no. When you're emotionally intoxicated yeah. because of that emotional discomfort, yeah, we're not programmed to think that logically and that well. Or at least maybe we were at one point, mm-hmm. but we definitely aren't now. Right. <laughs> you know, we're definitely not programmed now. Right. Uh, or at least our ability to do that, it seems like it takes far more work to think in those logical terms than it should. Yeah, I agree. I think we just, I think for many of us, we just don't know how to think very deep and very long anymore. I agree. I agree. To meditate on God's word and God's instruction requires time and attention. It does. And and we don't seem to have much attention to, no. to, to give to much of anything. No. Uh, all right. So yeah, the, I've derailed us. Well, no, well, no, it's good. Yeah. It's good. I, yeah. Somewhere in there, I, I think we're, we're just kind of talking out loud here. I was going to say. Or right. thinking out loud is what we're doing, and we're letting the people listen to us, and then they can send us a message saying, you guys are nuts, man. <laughs> Chris Creech should be the first on yeah, the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, all right, so one way we respond to this cognitive dissonance is just to, to discard it. Sure. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about. A, a very similar one, and maybe it's, it's like a, I'm going to put it almost like a twin, uh, almost an identical twin, but they're different, and that is to devalue. Mm-hmm. Okay, we downplay the contradictory experience, trying to make it unimportant somehow, irrelevant, or insignificant in some way. Um, You know, this is where you might hear someone say, well, God does heal, but, you know, everybody has to die. Okay, we're just sort of devaluing the whole process. That's a great example. That's a great example. So they're not really dealing with the cognitive dissonance. They're just going to devalue. Now, before the person died, it was huge. Yeah. We're believing God healing. We're you know pray 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 pray. You know faith 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 faith. Well, you know everybody has to die at some point. Sure. You know we're not rescued from death. Right. Okay. Well, wasn't that what you was praying about? Yeah. You know what I'm saying. What a great example. Yeah. So uh, that devalues the death and does not address the belief gap at all. So uh, we just and you know the same thing in the category of abuse. We'll just we'll you know. Well, you know, everybody's got their weakness, and he just loses his temper every now and then. Right. They've got some things that they were working on, and, and they, they just on. didn't know how to and, e- and express it. God has brought me in their life, and I know he hits me, but however, right. you know, God wants me to help him through this process. Yes. You know, okay, how does that work for the, the 10-year-old girl who's being raped by an uncle? Right. Right. Okay, how does that work? Man. Okay, so we're not, you know, so let's just devalue that. You know, you can't. Yeah, good luck. Right, yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, these are some weird ways that Christians just sort of, I mean, deal with it. I mean, that, I mean, it, it's all ignoring it, I mean, in some form or fashion. Sure. So we're discarding it. We're devaluing it. Uh, another way is just to flat out deny it. 
So we declare the contradictory experience has nothing to do with God or my faith at all. <laughs> you know, in other words, this is where we say something like this. Uh, oh, God does heal. And I do believe in the healing power of God, but my son didn't believe. Or didn't believe enough. Or didn't believe enough. Or the church didn't believe enough. There wasn't enough people praying. There wasn't enough people praying. Yeah. Or they'll 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 uh, they'll uh, deny it in this way. Well, yeah, there was a bunch of people praying and they did believe, but the head of the home didn't believe it mm. because God has given the head of the home the authority. You know, what I'm saying I'm going, and I'm going, and I've heard that. Yeah. Well, the reason why she died is because the head of the home didn't believe. You wow. Know? You know, he spoke death over her, and I'm just going, what? <laughs> right. Okay, you so, know, we will rationalize in any way that we can. To no try matter to justify how, this cognitive dissonance? Yes. No and matter, not blame ourselves. Well, yeah, no matter how crazy it sounds or how far <laughs> off we are, we will rationalize it however we oh, can. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, okay, so I was, I was reading a book one time on healing, right? Yeah. And it was talking about the elder thing. Yeah. And uh, about bringing the... Sick per- the sick person calling for the elders, and they, you know, uh, have them come over to normal with oil and pray for them and all that stuff. And, uh, which is important, by the way. Yeah. I, mean, it's yes. an act of, I do think that's an act of faith. If Absolutely. that person wants to do that, then yeah, right on. So, um, uh, and I, in the book, I was reading, they were explaining why, because, well, if you read James, that's where it's James, it talks about bringing the elders. And so you're going to, pray for them and it says elders not elder so it's plural and the reason why it's plural is because there's different gifts operating which i mean i I understand all of that sure but it also added this it also added that you have to add you have to if anybody's in the room that does not believe that god can heal this person they need to leave the room wow Okay, and they'll say stuff like, well, that's why when Jesus raised that one girl back to life, that daughter, he asked people to leave. You know what I'm saying? It was just like the mom and dad, maybe one of the other disciples or something like that. I think there's one case where he went in by himself. And so, um, and I'm going, okay, well, how does that work when he's in a crowd? Sure. Outside. Couple of thousand people standing With around. All sorts of folks. All believers, sorts of non-believers, critics, yep. all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? I. How does that work? Sure. Okay. So, uh, well, how I, does I, that work, Jeff? Yeah. Well, yeah. Now, here's the deal. Okay. Yeah. We, you know, we need another podcast. Just on, we're, we're not really trying to answer the healing question, <laughs> right. but we're just. This will be a four-hour podcast yeah, right. today. So, but here's the thing. See, this is why this is where I get in trouble sometimes because I, I I know I annoy people because I'll get in a conversation with them, like family members or friends, like especially get together. Yeah. And they, if they get onto this kind of stuff, I can't help myself. I just immediately go, I don't know about that. Yeah, sure. You know, and it sounds like I have no faith, no doubt. I mean, not, not full of doubt. And I'm just, I'm, all I'm doing is I'm just challenge them. And it's sure. amazing how quick how quickly they get frustrated and angry at me. I bet you're a blast at a party. I bet I am too. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, just like, don't everybody's crying at the birthday yeah. party. Don't, it's like, well, there's Jeff. Don't say, oh, I believe that God's going, oh, really? Yeah. Why do you believe that? Oh, God's going to do this and that. Oh, is he really? <laughs> Let me get my little notebook. Because here's the deal. Okay, here's the thing. When you say God's going to do this and that, you just stepped into the category of being a prophet. Yes. Yes. And if you're wrong once, according to the Bible, if you're wrong once, 
Don't ever do it again. You're, you're considered a false prophet sure. if you're wrong one time. Right. Okay. Can all you prophets out there listening to this, can, can you just own up? That's why anything I say God's going to do, it's something I've read directly out of the Bible. <laughs> or I <laughs> hope God's going to do this. There you go. You no, know, I would like it if God did this. Yes. God, would you please do this? Right. Okay. Anyway, I'm. I just it just frustrates because I mean I just you know bump into this stuff and it's so fresh because I and I see the confusion and the doubt because I've been I've been there I've been through all this stuff oh yes you know and I, I and, go through it all the time yeah and it creates a lot of frustration in the spiritual growth yeah um, I'm, I'm looking through okay what's another response here okay uh, all right so another way we respond in a bad way is we delegitimize um, the whole thing. So we undermine the contradictory experience or belief by discrediting God or the Bible. Again, all this stuff overlaps. Uh, we may say, well, since God didn't heal my son, then he doesn't care or doesn't exist. So we go there. We just de- we delegitimize God. Okay. Sure, sure. We may say, well, since God didn't heal my son, you can't count on the Bible because the Bible does not tell us the truth about God. Right. Well, God, you said this. Well, obviously that's not true. Sure. Okay. Um, Again, we're not trying to get into healing, but I'm just trying to give you... You can apply these responses to any scenario. Oh, no doubt. I, I, I'll bet the listener is... Yeah, the listener is applying this to a lot of different yeah. kind of scenarios. Because we'll start thinking something is wrong with God. We'll start thinking something wrong with the Bible. Because, you know what? Because, no, what we, we don't want to say, I'm believing wrong. Oh, no doubt. And But here's the scary part about that. When we start thinking something's wrong with the Bible, where do we go to get truth? Well... Th- this... It no longer exists, as far as I'm concerned, if we begin to doubt the Bible as a foundational book right. or foundational message, where in the world do you go get truth? Because, man, I, yeah. I dare anyone to look out into the world and find solid foundational truth out here now. Right. Yeah, because truth is very relative. To yeah. Be, you know, it's your truth, my truth. Yes. You know, and it, that truth can change. Absolutely. Based on our experiences. Yes. That's how we, you know. So... uh well, I, I tell you what, another podcast w- would be helpful would be to how 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 do you interpret the Bible for truth? Because yeah, it, be b- biblical interpretation is very, how we interpret the Bible is very important. Because if you're if you're not applying some biblical hermeneutics, there's a big word for you. Yeah, I not, see it all the time. Right. I, <laughs> yeah, you see I it. never knew how to use it in conversation all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you if you don't know how to study the Bible correctly and yeah. and land on the uh, the correct interpretation for application. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to be confused a lot. And I'm not saying I got it down. I'm not saying what I'm saying. It's just that, I mean, I can recognize, there's a way to recognize a true $100 bill Uh and one that's fake. Sure. But if you don't know how to do that, yeah, you can't tell the difference. Well, it's the same way. Interpreting the Bible is the same way. Absolutely. The right interpretation and the wrong interpretation can be very, the the chain the differences are very can be very small. Well, think about it. The difference is where Satan uses it. Yeah, that's right. That he, that's tiny little difference, that tiny little deviation. That's yeah. where Satan plays. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So if he can get you to just in, just misinterpret the scripture, you know, like the one where it says, uh, "By his stripes you're healed." People use that all the time by when it comes to healing. Yeah. Well, by his stripes you're healed. Well, then why am I sick? Why are you sick? Why is anybody sick? Sure. Why are you Christians sick? Sure. Okay. So, uh, but however, uh, I used to, okay, I was using that verse. I was in college, right? 
And I, I, I quoted that verse. Well, God, I believe God, you know, man, he wants us never to get sick. And I was in that camp, you know, never get sick. You got, and what, what's funny is my, my DNA is I hardly ever get sick. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it, so of course it just feeds your, I, I don't know what you, misinterpretation. Yeah. And, and this of, is, I mean, even before I was a Christian, you understand. Yeah. I just didn't get, this is not like, oh, I got saved, got healed. And I don't get sick. Right. I mean, I still get sick sometimes, but it's like in my family, I'm the I'm the I'm the last one to get sick. Yeah, you know. But now, with that said, depends on how you want to define things. I got allergies, back sure. problems, knee sure. problems. <laughs> I think it's old age. I yeah, think it's old yeah. age, not yeah. the allergy yeah. part. I but think the old rest. age ought to be classified as a sickness. But anyway, <laughs> it should. So anyway, back to that whole uh, you know by his stripes uh, you know we're healed. Now, does God heal people? Absolutely. But that verse in context, if you look at it, everything in that verse uh, is about um, uh, spiritual healing. Mm, spiritual Ex- healing except for that one statement which everybody jumps on that one sure and uh to say well see god wants you know he went to the cross so we could be healed physically which now again ultimately that is true because when we get to heaven we get that glorified body and our bodies are completely healed yeah okay because what what's part of the misinterpretation is we see the healing verses and we think right now 2023 July the 6th, I need to be healed because the Bible says I'm, I'm supposed to be healed. When God doesn't think in July 6th, right. 2023 time, he says, oh, yeah, you're going to be healed, but that's coming later. Here's here's a rabbit hole question. Oh, okay. Okay, so you mentioned spiritual healing. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, we, we spend all of our time and our energy and things like, not all of it, but a, a good portion of it, uh, being concerned with physical healing. Right. Why is it? Why is it that we're not as concerned about spiritual healing? Is it is it because the physical stuff, kind of in the now, in the moment, that discomfort? That, why don't we feel the spiritual pain that that we're in? Why don't we feel that as sharply as we do the physical pain? Is it because we're used to it? I think we feel it. I just don't think we just know how to talk about or recognize it. I think we're so we're I think we've gotten so acclimated That's, to it. Yes. You know? Why don't we recognize it? Yeah, I think we're just so acclimated to it, you know, that yeah. uh, we're it just seems normal. Sure. You know? And you know, we're just we just have learned to adapt our lifestyle to feeling guilty. Yeah, you, you isn't know, that terrible? Or whatever, whatever. Yes, you know, confused or full of doubt. We just sort of say, "Well, it's just the way it is." You know, I'm just isn't gonna, that horrible? Yeah, and I, and I don't know why. I hadn't really thought much through why Christians um, seem so obsessed with physical healing. When I would rather have some kind of sickness and be at complete peace. Can I just? I would rather have emotional and mental complete healing where I never experience anxiety, sure, or depression. Oh yes, or self doubt. Oh yes, or get or get unnecessarily offended by somebody. Yes, I'll take that way over <sighs> being healed from some disease. I will now. Yeah, you know, now at this time in my life, I will. Right. And so, uh, but I don't know what the deal is with the physical healing obsession. And, I think it's just acclimation. Yeah, we're used to the spiritual right. sickness, but the the physical, you know, that's... Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know we're not talking about healing yeah, today, sorry. but I mean, we were using it as a lesson. But yeah. yeah well, we're I, talking I hear about what you're saying. But again, it's, it's, <laughs> that's cognitive dissonance. Yeah, All that stuff, this is all the stuff we struggle with. Yeah. Uh, all right, and so uh, another response to this is um, we accept contradictory experiences or a new belief for personal convenience. 
this is where we expedite it. And, uh, and you'll have to listen to another. So there's, you know, most people see, I mean, see expedite as just speed it up. Sure. But uh, another definition of that means to just, it means to deal with something at your own convenience. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Morally right or wrong. It doesn't matter. And so, so in this case, you know, we accept the contradictory experience or new belief for a, for personal convenience. Um, so instead of doing the hard work of examining and learning what God has to say about healing, for example, and examining our belief gap regarding this, we change our belief to something that is more emotionally comfortable or easy. Oh yes. So we're just going to change what we believe based on our experience. So a exaggerated version of this would be, okay, I believe God healed. Well, he didn't heal my son. So therefore God doesn't heal. So uh, I'm just not going to believe God healing anymore. I've just changed my belief because sure. of my experience. He's yeah. never going to heal. Okay. That's not what the Bible says either. Right. Okay. And that's not faith either. No. Like, uh, you know, no. hey, the, the ends don't justify the faith, right. I guess. Right. You know, they, they your faith shouldn't change depending on how things ended. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I guess maybe it... It should challenge your faith. Sure. You know, and you should need to evaluate it. Yes. But, I, okay, so, all right. Over the years, I'll, I'll ask people, Christians, I'll say, hey, okay, they'll be talking about something. I'll say, well, why do you believe that? Sure. And now here's what's interesting. How they answer that question right after I answer, ask that question tells me what they're building their faith on. And, okay, so if they start like this, if I say, well, why do you believe that? Whatever that is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you believe that? If they say, well, I remember when I was 15 years old and I went down to this place and, and I, you know, and this happened and that happened and God's blah, blah, blah. That what they're telling me right now, they have developed that faith, that belief based on that experience. Yes. Now what, what, what's missing here? Uh, the Bible. Yes. <laughs> God. Yeah. They didn't start with what the Bible says. Right. God says. Yes. Now, so they are allowing their faith to be de- developed by experiences in a particular culture. See, now you've just opened up a whole nother can of worms for the listener because yeah, yeah we right. do that a lot. Well, yeah, we do it a lot, a lot. Yeah, we interpret. That's sp- where we get all this cognitive dissonance from. Yeah, we interpret the scripture through an American lens, American culture sure. lens. Sure, and, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, and I always, uh, you know, so when you're. St- Whatever truth you land on in the Bible, when you're studying the Bible, it has to it has to work in any culture, any language, any economical st- status. Period. Yes. Anywhere, anytime, with Christians of any generation. Okay, it can't. Be, I love that. It can't just be in this situation. That's the truth. Yes. Yes. Now you're in the situational truth. Yes. And God doesn't operate in situational truth. No. He has ultimate truth. Yes. Okay. This is way. This is true, whether you like it or not. Sure. So, uh, and we don't like that. Well, we struggle with the whether you like it or not part. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. We like it. This is truth. This is how it's going to be. Sure. So, uh, anyway, so if we're basing our belief on experience, yeah, we're going to have a lot of cognitive dissonance, and we're just going to expedite it, meaning it's just going to pour a personal convenience. I've got a quick question there uh, from a personal experience. I, 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 I think it involves this expediting thing. You know, so several years ago, my five-year-old nephew died in a pool. He drowned, okay. you know? Yep. Um, and I, I, I always struggled with 
I heard so many people say, well, that was part of God's plan. And, you know, so I sit back and I thought, you know, so part of God's plan is for my five-year-old nephew to die drowned in a pool. I don't, I don't know. And I don't know if, if it was just that, you know, that whole idea of we just expedite for that comfort while we're wrestling with, I, I don't really, you know, is that, is that considered like that is, would that fall under that expediting category or, or something else? Or I yeah, mean, what, so, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Uh, again, all these overlap, but sure. Um, in the same vein, I've heard things like this. Well, um, well, your mom passed away because God needed another flower in his garden. Yeah. Um, well, grandpa, well, God took grandpa because he needed another angel. Right. Okay, so there's a lot of bad theology in those two statements. Oh, no doubt. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, God needed. <laughs> God needed a flower, so right. he just killed my, he right. just, you know, just ended the life of so because he wanted a flower. So grandpa's a flower now? Or, or, or grandpa's an angel? An angel? Yeah, or, so people become angels when they die? Sure. How does that work? Yeah. Okay, so um, a lot of bad stuff going on there. Sure. Uh, but again, that's dealing with all that cognitive, that emotional comfort. We're, we're just, cha- we're personal convenience, making myself feel better. Our minds trying to fill in the gaps, trying to make sense of what's going on and try to understand how can a good God do bad things. Sure. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, so, yeah, I would say, yeah. And that's, man, that question you ask is a loaded one. Oh, no doubt. Oh yeah. That, that's, that's a whole series of podcasts. Because okay, (laughs) if you, if your theology is, let's play this out. Yeah. Let's play it out. It's going to be true in every situation. Uh huh. If it's God's plan for uh, five year old, right? Yeah, your nephew, five yeah. years old, to d- to drown in the pool, that was God's plan, right? Okay, so what I've been told, I'm I'm not buying it, but or I I I don't I don't okay. feel very good about that. But go okay. ahead. All right, so I'm just going to use the words. We're, you, yes. I know I yes. know that we're trying to communicate something, or they're trying to communicate something. Yeah. Uh, well, then we have to say, well, it's God's plan. That that five year old girl who was raped and murdered, that was God's plan. Right. You see, yes, what's, you see what's I absolutely here? see. Yeah. Okay. So, and put any dark, evil scenario in there if, if it's God's plan for someone to die that way. Is it God's plan? Is Does God say that we're all going to die? Yes, yeah, point out to man to die once. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then face judgment. Okay. Um, are there cases in the Bible where some people will not die, you know, because God's got a specific time for them to die? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But this is where I think we get into God's sovereignty and his wisdom and his understanding. And uh, it, it gets very, you, you've got to make sure we choose our words correctly. Sure. God allowed that to happen. Right. Uh, but does that, okay. All right. So man, I'm trying to stay out of God's sovereignty here. And, and I keep the, throwing you into the deep end of the pool and you but, just keep swimming. Yeah, back. I know, I know. Because <laughs> see, here, the issue here is, is that, um, God is in control. And we say things like, well, God's in control of everything. He's sovereign. Okay. That's what we, you know, we, we'll say that. 
Well, God's in control. He's in charge of everything. Nothing happens without his agreement to it. On and on it goes. You know, we're talking about Job. Well, Satan couldn't do anything to Job without God's permission. Absolutely. Sure. Okay. But here's the thing. Uh, so how does that, okay, I mean, is God really in charge of what shirt I wear today? Right. I think God can be in charge if he chose that. Yeah. But there's no right. there's no day-to-day activities that show me that he's right. reaching out and taking my arm and pulling that shirt off the hanger. Right. Is that impulse buy of a candy bar, is that really God? Was he in charge of that? Right. Okay. Right. All right. So, okay. Now, I, Can I just, he be? Can he be? Yes. yes. All right. So what I'm saying is, is that God's truth has to apply. In every scenario. If it's true. If it's true. Yes. Okay. So, is it possible? Is it possible? There are certain cases where God, that person's going to die that way. Okay. Is it possible? And is it also possible that they weren't supposed to die? And for some cases. Sure. Okay, and in yeah. God's sovereignty, that's all within the God's sovereignty box, right? Okay, and that he, He's still in charge, you know. Oh, no doubt, he's still in control, even though people are killing each other, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and all the sins happening, and all that kind of stuff. I don't think God allows evil. I don't think He calls a sin. I don't think He does any of that stuff. Okay, I agree. Okay, um, I don't think He, but He allows people to, to sin. Sure. Okay, and that includes murder and all kinds of other stuff. Um, I, I just have a hard time saying, well, when somebody is shot down in the street, oh, that was God's plan for that person's life. See, that's okay, where I, I struggle because I just I can't back I can't back that up with scripture. Is what I'm saying. Well, everything I on every I've, case. Well, yeah, I mean, everything I've read and studied uh, to whatever degree, I, there's just nothing that points at. I mean, there are some things in the Bible where God made some decisions and some things happened, and right. and. You know, and we would all sit back and go, "Wow, it, by today's standards, that's rough." I, I think God can. I just don't. You know, when we expedite and we say things like, and and let's set the bad theology off to the side. But when we say things like, "God needed Grandpa to be one of His angels," or "It was God's plan for my nephew at five years of age to drown in a pool," right. uh, I just have a problem with that because. And I know, again, why people are saying that. They're saying that to to relieve themselves of that emotional discomfort. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to wag my finger at anyone trying to feel better about a tragic situation. But I appreciated earlier when you said things like we need to choose our words carefully. You know, we need to choose and we need to be thinking about when we are assigning God's movements to him and and assigning his reasons to him and and presuming that we know that my nephew dying in the pool was part of his plan. I I don't know that, you know, I, I, that it doesn't say that in the Bible. So I don't know that for sure, but I could sure mess it all up and justify it and expedite it in my mind all I want. You know, I also, you know, I think, you know, you've, you've talked on the podcast about your wife, Pam, you know, and, and her sickness that, that she's dealing with. So look, do I think God uses every one of those situations to grow us and make us stronger? And I do believe good can come from everything, right. but I just have a hard time believing that it was part of his plan for one of his most faithful people 
to 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 be struggling with that sort of thing. You know, I just don't like that it's part of God's plan. Well, what do we know about God's plan? Yeah, what it, can we truly understand about right. it? See, if the Bible was clear, sure, I'm okay with saying if, if, that in every situation. I do think. Okay, so here's the thing. I think when it comes to some of the stuff, I think we we have to give room in our theology that there are some things God specifically causes. I agree. Okay. Well, and, and not only that, it says that in the Bible. Yeah. And I mean bad things. Absolutely. I didn't say evil. Right. I didn't say sinful. I just said bad things. Right. So, uh, he, I mean, because he does bring natural disasters mm-hmm. in some cases. I mean, the Bible talks about bringing natural disasters as a form of judgment. So there's people dying in that situation. Yes. There okay. were a lot of people that died right, during right, the flood. Right. And then there's times where he would send a nation. Mm-hmm. To go destroy destroy another nation. Yes. Okay. And so, uh, from a human perspective, it just like it looks like one nation rises up against another nation. Well, actually, God. There's a lot them. more to There's that. There's a lot more to that. Yeah. You know, he even hardened Pharaoh's heart to where he wouldn't let the people go until the very last. You know. Sure. Uh, with the ten plagues. So all right. So uh, and I think we have to allow in our theology when you look at the Bible there are there does. There's a definite biblical case for God creating a scenario, causing something to happen that is very difficult yes. and painful for a lot of people. Yes. doesn't mean it's not good. It's just it's a whole other discussion. Right. But, but then there seems to be uh, scripture that seems to support just sort of the flow of life. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the Bible talks about the consequences of sin. Yes. Okay. Yes. Consequence of sin is somebody's got sin, they hurt somebody in some way. Mm-hmm. Take their life, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. And uh, divorce, whatever you want to throw in there. And uh, addictions, all kinds of stuff. And all the stuff that comes from all that. And so um, you have, so there seems to be within his sovereignty choices that we can make that he just allows it to happen. Yes. Okay. And, and I don't ever question right. why he allows it because it's bigger than me. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I, that's why I, biblically speaking, based on my understanding of scripture, uh, is that there does seem to be a case for God controlling the details of someone's end of life scenario mm-hmm. and where he doesn't. Right. Because it to him, it all it's going to all fit into the... Well, it all has the same end. Right. You know, ultimately, you know, he controls the bigger picture. Right. Yeah. And, and I do agree. I, I, Again, I want to be very careful and, and and I want to very specifically point out, I'm not saying he couldn't control those things. I'm right. saying he chooses not to right. for whatever reason. Because but he's yeah. sovereign. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind that God could literally control the smallest movements day right. to day if yeah. he chose to. Why he chooses to and why he doesn't is right. beyond me. Yeah. You know, but but yeah, I just want to be really careful and make sure the listener mm-hmm. understands. I do believe that he can. Yeah. I just think he chooses not to in every scenario. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So now I know there's going to be people out there right now. They're going to totally disagree with that. Oh, no doubt. And they're going to get fired up about it. Yes, they are. You know, and yeah. uh, that's okay. It's completely okay. And I'm open to any theology. Yeah. I'm open Man, to any bring, discussion yeah, on that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have people, I know, I don't mention it very often, but uh, there are there are some people who listen to our podcast, you know, on a regular basis, and they will send me emails and texts. Sure, <laughs> and sure. They're saying that, that, and they want clarification 
with something that, you know, that I said. Sure. And which is fine. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, uh, and I'm okay with it. And that, that, that keeps me sharp. And it also says, hey, they're listening. No you doubt. Know, that's how I see it. No doubt. Yeah. And I can't give them a dissertation on their answers. So some of the questions are like, okay, I cannot answer that. Sure. <laughs> you know, and, sure. You know, but I'll give my best. Okay. We need to start wrapping this yeah, thing my, up. Yeah. We're a little over an hour right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, we just hit the hour mark. So, uh, okay. So how do you actually respond with all this? Well, we've already alluded to this, but it really comes down to one word and it's just repenting. Mm-hmm. Okay, what that means is you, but you have to know what you what what do you need to repent of, and it may be that you have a bad belief and you need to repent of that. Okay, so we're gonna change what we believe by looking at the scripture. What is God's word? We got to start digging uh, and those kinds of things, and we may have to repent of how we see and experience, reevaluate it through the lens of a filter, not our emotions, all that kind of stuff. Um, so. This is where you honestly acknowledge what God's word says about. In our case, we've been talking about healing as the object lesson, and what it says about healing and death and sickness and sorrow. You know, what what does he what does the Bible actually say about all that stuff? That's a great question, and it's a fundamental question right. to find truth. Yeah. What does it actually say? Not what is my interpretation? Yeah, what what or not even what I want it to say. Correct. Yeah. What does it say? Yeah. And it's that simple. It's very difficult, but it is really that simple. What right. does the Bible say? Yeah. And the thing is that here's the deal. Okay, this is where, I don't, I don't know if this sounds morbid or not, but okay, for the Christian, death um, is now a, biblically speaking, is now a wonderful thing for the believer. Yes. Even God says how precious in his sight is the death of one of his saints. And no matter how it goes. No matter how what it, how it, it happened. Yes. It's precious. Yes. They're de- because the Bible then says... Uh, you know, it's better, you know, when I die, I gain. Yes. Yes. This is a move up. Mm-hmm. Okay. You see what's happening? And yes. when you look at death, where's your sting? You know, first Corinthians. Paul yes. Says, uh, so theologically, when you look at death from a biblical perspective for the believer, death is actually good news. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're okay. This is how far a lot of Christians are removed from it. No doubt. Even Paul said, I have a desire to go. I don't want to stay anymore, but because God wants me to stay. Sure. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. But I won't tell you, I don't want to be with you people. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, well, tell me what you really think, <laughs> yeah. Paul. Yeah, that's right. You know, That's what he's telling. He said, yeah. I am sick of your sin, yes. and I am ready to go. I've done this too long. I've been beaten up, left for half dead, stoned, every, shipwrecked, <laughs> and everything else. <laughs> you know, so I am done with y'all. Right. You know, I am ready to go and be with the Lord. So, uh, uh, but what I'm saying is that that's where uh, we have to, again, re- even like with the concept of death, to change your mind about it and lining up with scripture, that is called repenting. That's what repenting is. Repenting yes. is change one's mind, which leads to a different behavior or outcome or, or, or emotional response or whatever. And so, uh, so when I say repent, that's what I'm talking about. This is where, okay, if your experience and the, your belief are not lining up, okay, well, let's get into the word and see what it has to say. And now let that change our mind, which by definition is repenting. So when we start aligning our thoughts and beliefs upon the scripture, we are repenting, especially if our belief is wrong. And it does not happen immediately. No. So I, I guess it could sometimes, but understand as we go through that repenting process right. that it is a process. Yeah. Changing one's mind, generally, if you believe in something, it takes a while to change your mind. Well, here's the deal. Paul, the Apostle Paul. Yeah. Okay. You know, 
people forget that there was a three-year time frame from the time he was blinded on the road by Jesus before he started his public ministry. Three years. And what was happening? Well, the Bible tells us what was happening. He was being retrained by the disciples and others. And after that three-year period, he comes out and he has a new perspective on everything. Yeah, but we want it in three minutes, Jeff. That's right. That's, not three years. Yeah. So not uh, five years. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Crockpot. <laughs> this is this is the crockpot <laughs> discipleship. Yes, not microwave. Okay? Right, right. So, uh, so he come, So what was happening was he was having his. He was renewing his mind. He was his. He was having his mind changed. Uh, by force, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is where God's sovereignty is all up front. Yes. Okay. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, that's he was he was going through a repenting process of how he saw Jesus, how he saw the church, how he saw God's word, and God was helping him take what he knew of the Old Testament and see it clearly, and then bam, God uses him to write the New Testament. Yes. So and. Uh, and all that happened because of this whole repenting process of how mm-hmm. he saw everything. So, uh, a lot of good man. This yeah, is a lot. I, of, this is a lot of good I, stuff going on here. Yeah, today. I'll tell you, I, I I could literally speak for half a day. I mean, the folks <laughs> listening must be tired uh, at this point. But I'll tell you, yeah. I'm I'm fired up. This yeah, is good stuff. This has been good stuff, and. Uh, and we may come, we'll come back to this stuff from time to time. It may not be under the cognitive dissonance title, but this is an issue that does. This is an ongoing. Every new generation of Christians, they're going to struggle with this. You know, yes. this is not ever going to go away. This is part of discipleship and learning how to deal with cognitive dissonance is learn. You know, is is growing spiritually. You're just going to have to deal with it, and uh, which we talked about in an earlier podcast. So, uh, all right, uh, we're going to just have to wrap it up there. Uh, like Billy said, we could just go on and on and on about all this stuff. I say you you don't want to talk about like predestination or anything <laughs> like that. You know, we've got plenty of time. Jeff. I, I will say, as much as I enjoy all that, <laughs> yeah, uh, and talk about all that kind of stuff, uh, I am kind of uh, I'm excited a little bit. I don't want to call it. It's going to be. I don't think it's going to be lighter, but it'll be different when we talk about the whole disciple making disciples, which I think is, I don't, I think most Christians don't understand what it means to be a disciple and what it means to make disciples. I'll and say this, uh, the discipleship group process, um, that we've gone through, I'm really excited to talk about this because I think this is some of that r- really foundational core stuff that we should have. And and I it may not blow everybody's hair back or get excited, but man, if you listen long enough, there is some real transformational stuff yeah. in this idea of discipling yeah. and discipleship. Yeah, and we're and by the way, we're not talking about just going to church or going to Sunday school. No doubt. We're talking about intention attention and intentionality of growing spiritually and helping others grow spiritually in an intentional format that's reproducible and all that stuff. Anyway, that'll make more sense to you when we get into yes. it. Um, all right. Well, until next time, guys, I hope this has been helpful to you. Um, and uh, again, uh, if you are enjoying what you're hearing and it's helpful, uh, pass it on to others. You know, just share it. We'd appreciate that. Uh, we we want to say thanks to those who've been sharing it and who keep uh, tuning in and listening. 
Uh, I'm kind of excited about it, growing a little bit. It's kind of yeah. fun to listen. The numbers keep increasing. And so, well, the encouragement. Yeah. You know, I've I've heard things. Uh, you know, from people, words of encouragement about this particular series, mm-hmm. and and it's it's uh, it's been fantastic. I think God's doing some great things, and He's also, you know, for the people that that uh, email in or ask questions. Hey, can I get some clarification on that, man? That's good stuff too. Yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. Let's yeah. have a conversation like about it. it. That's what we're here to do. Absolutely. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening. This has been Conversations. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to click subscribe and leave us a great review. And to find out more about Genesis Church, please visit www.genesisbegins.com.